So guys, that I'm was Johnny, Johnny Hughes. Thank uh, you so much for tuning in this week's episode. I hope you got a lot of value from it. And as always, we will catch you in the next episode. So stay tuned. Okay, tonight I'm joined with Johnny Hughes, one of my fellow uh, PT core instructors who happens to have been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And what's really unusual for me is that Johnny is the fourth person that I know of within my sort of military community that has been diagnosed. Uh, for me, like whenever I was diagnosed, I thought I was the only one. And slowly, more people have sort of come out of the woodwork. Unfortunately, Johnny's diagnosis is really quite recent. Um, but Johnny, do you want to say hello to the guys that are tuning in? Yeah, so hey guys, I'm Johnny, I'm 26 years old. I joined the army similar to yourself when, you was, when I was 16. Um, I spent 10 years in the infantry in the Royal Welsh, which is an infantry regiment. After 10 years, I then transferred over to the PT Corps. And then, well, straight after joining, I got sent to the Falklands. Which is a good good place to go for your, for your first um, <laughs> best place for, to go for your first posting, but um, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it until I got ill yeah. and started getting symptoms, which was uh, pretty pretty bad. Yeah. So yeah, nuts, mate. So um, can you talk me through your life before you were sort of diagnosed? Like prior to that, what sort of stuff were you up to? Who who was Johnny Hughes? Yeah. So I've always been massively into into the gym, uh, hence why I went PT call. Yeah. Um, I know I started off, I started training really when I was in school, um, when I was about 15, 16, started getting into weights, didn't have a clue what I was doing, but you just go for it anyway. It's like most of us, really, yeah, Didn't have a clue, still don't have a clue now, but there you are, I don't know how I got you. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I started first few years doing all different bits of fitness, really just merging all into one. Mm-hmm. And then recently, I think it was 2016, when I started getting into, into CrossFit a lot. What what brought you into CrossFit then? What was just the... the excitement of the unknown? Yeah, like like choosing a workout and not knowing how it's gonna go. Yeah, yeah. and that feeling of finishing it, completing it, and the state you're in afterwards, it's kind of a sick, a sick feeling. That not, addictive. Yeah, not it? everyone likes or can be bothered with, but it's the, the sense of just that feeling of hanging out at the end, and yeah, just yeah. like when you get to. When you're with your mates as well, when you you competing together, and it's just it's just a good little community, especially the community I'm at now, mm-hmm. uh, CrossFit Blockhouse in Andover. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I, I started there 2016, and uh, you know the people they're great, supportive, been supportive ever since I had the diagnosis. Oh, so you're still and, in uh, touch with those guys? Yeah, well? I still go down there. Oh, I haven't been there lately, mm-hmm. obviously, but you know I still went to the the Christmas party with them. And the I went to see uh, my mate compete in London yeah. uh, last weekend. And it's really great, really, to to speak to them. And they're like, they're generally concerned about you, mm-hmm. which is overwhelming because you're just a bit like, oh, you just get forgotten about you. You mean, you're on your own, you're just like... I think that's one of the most attractive yeah. things I've noticed about CrossFit in itself is like the people that I know that are involved in it, uh, in clubs and stuff like yeah. that there tends to be that bit more community like you're i think there's a second or third person that i've talked to on yeah. the show who's been into crossfit mm-hmm. for a period of time and the most common thing is that community draw because mm-hmm. um, you don't i don't think you really get like i've joined uh, city gyms like things like cannons or fitness yeah, first yeah. 
And although there was like clubs and people would meet up, it was always it always felt a bit false. Yeah. Whereas the it's sense I get from that, it's completely different. So say people go, oh, CrossFit gym, it's expensive compared to what you would pay. But then you got to think, what are you getting out of it? Yeah. Like the coaching there is phenomenal mm-hmm. compared to if you go to somewhere like Pure Gym, you just you're in a bubble. And you never get out of it. You're just in that comfort zone and you'll never progress. You go to a box and you've got people pushing you. You've got coaches teaching you how to do things correctly. Like, I look back at myself and I think some of the form I used to do, it's just embarrassing. Do you mean? We're but, all going to start know, somewhere though. But yeah. you, you just, you, they just snap it out of you. And yeah. like, like, in no means am I a good athlete at all. Yeah. But I competed like a club level which was enough for me. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to go to a bigger comp, but I I was strong at like, like my gymnastics were good. My fit, my engine was good. Um, the only thing I struggled with was probably Olympic lifting. I mean, I was like strong at like all the powerlifting mu- movements. Yeah. But when it came to Olympic lifting, it wasn't as strong as I needed it to be to compete at a higher level. Yeah. So as soon as I realized this, <laughs> being Welsh, I... I tried to turn it around. I started getting stronger, started getting better lifts. Went away to the Falklands. I was going to use that time to to get as strong as I could, to maybe come back and, and, and compete a bit more. But then, nah. Got then then the, world, <laughs> the world made a different decision. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it might, it's such a hard thing sometimes, particularly yeah. just dealing with that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, it's like, it's amazing. So, you you know, you're a fit, healthy person. And that's one of the things that really shocks me about IBD, in my experience, particularly people that I know, they've always had, like, a background where they've not necessarily been fitness instructors, but they've yeah. been interested in fitness, mm. have what most people would, say is a healthy lifestyle a healthy attitude towards food a healthy attitude towards activity and it kind of surprises me the number of those people that end up with ibds well that's what i mean so i've got a lot of i've got a lot of mates who kind of kind of rip me a bit because they're like oh you know you spend all your time being healthy keeping fit Mm -hmm. and then that happens to you you should just do what i do just eat crap and and just like i'm fine you should have done the same as thinking yeah fair one yeah, the same, the same from <laughs> some mean? of my friends back home. Like, I'd be ordering, like, random salads. There's one bloke, one of my mates, JR. He, uh, I remember we were going to, there's a pub called The Pheasant. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we'd go there for burgers, like, mm. sort of, like, on a Friday. It used to be, like, you could get a, a house burger in there mm. with bacon and cheese, and it would cost you more or less the same as a Big Mac meal in McDonald's. Yeah. So it was really good value for money. But I was like, oh, can I get, like, a, a chicken salad, please? <laughs> with... Yeah. With, a, with a vinaigrette dressing, and you yeah. just want to see these turn around with his jaw on the floor going, they just don't, what yeah. is this? Yeah, some people don't understand. I've got a mate that will go out and uh, he'll have a sandwich or something, I'll have lettuce, he'll take the bread apart, yeah. he'll pick out every bit of lettuce, like he will not eat anything green, so he'll pick it all out, he'll put it together and be like, yeah, I'll eat, I'll eat it now. <laughs> but it, it's ridiculous, but... So um, you mentioned the Falklands is where things started to go awry. So can you talk uh, talk us through what actually went on, if you're comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So after coming off my uh, probs course, passed in July, Mm -hmm. so badged in July. Um, Two weeks after that, I went over to the Falklands. Good job, really good job over there. Um, Sent the manager for a adventure training camp. Uh, So I was working under the RAF. Mm -hmm. At the time, really great bunch of lads and never worked outside the infantry before, really. So it was a good exposure. 
to how they how they run things. Maybe a bit of a shock as well. Bit of a shock as well, but it was it was good. You know what I mean. And uh, so I went over there. It was it was fine for like the first two weeks. Really mm. started to get into the job. Started being comfortable with what I was doing. And then I started getting these uh, weird symptoms. You know the usual colitis symptoms. The, yeah. the blood in, in the stool. Bloody urgency. I mean, it didn't come gradually. That it came quite rapid. So. We're talking 30, 40 plus times a day, just running back and forth to the toilet. It, it wasn't pleasant, but at this point I didn't have any pain. So I was thinking, well, it can't be that bad if I'm not in pain. It's just a bit of blood. Like I think I've had blood in my stool about once or twice previously. Mm -hmm. But I've never really thought about it because at the time when I had it, I was boxing. So I just thought, okay, I, yeah. I, I just thought, I don't know, I've taken a punch in the gut and something's happened and it didn't happen again so I just I put it down to that yeah another time it happened was when I thought oh I'm just got a high fibre diet <laughs> yeah. you know it's just yeah. and um, so but it's interesting because we do yeah. we always try to if something like that happens I think we do naturally try to find an excuse or a reason for yeah. it to try and make it seem normal yeah we do you you try and kind of hide it it's just like oh it's only it's because of this but anyway so it was about two, two or three weeks into it, I started getting these symptoms, and then I kept it quiet for a while, because I was thinking maybe it'll, it'll blow over. Mm -hmm. So I was, um, I had these symptoms, and then they started calming down for a couple of days, but after a week, it it died down, and I started training again. I went back in the back in the gym and started squatting, but in between my sets, I was running back and forth the toilet. Mm. So it started picking up again. So I was doing like a set of like, I don't know, a few reps, and then I'd be like, right, run to the toilet, run back at the toilet. Okay, I'm good to go again. Go back in the toilet, and I was thinking, something's not right. Yeah. Something's really not right. I was thinking, right, so I stopped going to the gym again. And then I went to the, I told a few of the boys over there, and they were just like, yeah, you need you need to get down to the, uh, the med centre. And if anyone watching has been to the Falklands, you know that Stanley Road is no joke. So, so what, what is this? What Stanley Road? Stanley is? Road. So basically, it's the main road between Mount Pleasant, which yeah. is the main RAF camp, and Stanley Town, which is the capital of the Falklands. So you can only go 40 miles an hour along that road, and it takes about an hour to get from one place to another. And the road's horrific. It's just pothole galore. Do you mean it's just the road is trashed? And either side is just two massive ditches. So you'll always see, you'll always be driving past and you'll see just wagons just upside down. Ah. It's really dangerous. But anyway, so you get these mobile phones, but. They don't really work, do they? They work, but there's a certain part of the, the drive that you can't, that the signal drops. Yeah. So if you break down, luckily this didn't happen to me, but if you break down within that radius, <laughs> you've got a few miles walk before you pick up signal again. And it's very rare you'll see a, a car, it's not a car, a truck coming the opposite way. Because yeah. you know if, if you see someone broken down, you've got to stop. Otherwise they could be there. Like days. days. Well, say hours, overnight possibly. Yeah. That's why they say if you're going to go anywhere, you've got to take, you know, wet warm kit, 
your your gonk bag to keep warm, food, everything, because you never know what happened. Yeah. Back and forth to like appointments with a med centre. Um when you're going through those symptoms. Yeah. So you're just like having an hour's drive. If I go before, yeah. Can I make it to the other end without needing to go again? Yeah. So you just like Kind of just trying to push that. Well, the, all the, all the vehicles were capped at forty, so you couldn't push it, no matter, no matter what what state you were in. So you kind of had to just ride it out. But anyway, I started having um, appointments with the MO. At the start, I didn't find like I got took seriously. Mm-hmm. I think they just thought, oh, you just got a bit of a belly ache. Do you mean you be yeah yeah you'll be alright in a few days. Just go back. And he was like. Yeah, just make sure you you're isolated to one toilet. I said, "Whoa," I said, "I don't think you understand what I'm trying to say to you." If I'm, I'm I've explained my symptoms. If you're trying to isolate me to one toilet, if I need to go, it's just like you've got twenty to thirty seconds before you're just gonna blow. Mm-hmm. As soon as you feel the urge to go, do you mean? I'm, it was snowing at the time. I was thinking, I'm not gonna run across camp to a certain toilet that I've been isolated to, to to go. And it's just like, I'm going to find the nearest toilet I can. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, anyway, so I went away. So you thought you had DMV or something? Yeah, DMV, irritable bowel syndrome, whatever. But I was just like, right, okay. But I didn't know what I had either. Mm-hmm. So this is where I was like, I started like messaging my, my dad, people at home. I was thinking, what are these symptoms? It's just not right. And my dad was just like, oh, maybe it's colitis. I was like, what? What is colitis? Is that like a yeah. proper left field? I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it's a disease. I was like, oh, God, I've got a disease. So from there, I was just started thinking, I'm sure my mum had something like this. But you don't really ask mm-hmm. at the time. You don't really know. You always know, like, they went through an operation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had bowel trouble. So had your mum had colitis? Yeah, so she had exactly the same as me. <clears throat> So that's why I think it's inher- yeah, inheritory mm-hmm. that I got the disease. But it's just one of those things and anything could have triggered it. Yeah. So, yeah, she had the full thing. She had the, the ostomy bag. The, the J- She went through with the J pouch all mm-hmm. in within a six month bracket. But you know what the bags were like about this. is You're talking 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. When it's just like the bags were see through so you could see everything in HD. Yeah. And it's just like they, yeah, they would rattle. If if you look on online and you look at like, ostomy bags from like nineteen seventies eighties, it's just like, nah. You can understand yeah. why you'd want the J pouch straight away. Yeah, and it was like, I think she was like the third person in in the UK at the time to have okay. it done. So because it was it was it's still think, very new. I think it mainly, it mainly came from Australia, didn't it? When they started I have creating no idea it, where yeah. Came from. Well, done a lot of research, but I think it came from Australia. And then it came over. Anyway, going up, back on topic of the Falcons. So, yeah, I started having blood tests. And then this was about, I think I was over there for about three weeks. It was like a three-week bracket. Yeah. Between going back and forth the med centre, having blood tests, all that. And then mm-hmm. when my blood test got back, then he was like, what? Ah, uh, no. Because yeah. my anemic, I was an- ridiculously anemic from all the blood loss. And he was like, right, we're going to need to get you back on a, on a medivac mm-hmm. as soon as possible and I went down to get an x-ray in, in Stanley Town like uh, to check I could fly mm-hmm. 
the MO was just like, yeah, I'm going to need to get you back before it becomes an emergency. Uh, before you, well, because he didn't know what it was. So he didn't want me going over to like Chile or something. Yeah. And he said there was a surgeon on the Falkland Islands. He said he's got all the confidence in him to do the operation, but it's just a bit like... Really? Dodgy. I yeah. was just like, operation? What are you on about? I'm not having an operation. I'm fine. I just go to the toilet a lot. But anyway, I was thinking, you know, I'll go back just to make sure. And then I had that... Um, yeah, I mean, sorry, go, going back, I mean, the boss I had at the time, he was brilliant. And all, mm. all the people that I was in uh, Hillside Camp with were really supportive. They were just like, if, if you need to go to, if, if you can't go to work, leave it. Just stay in bed. We, we, we get it. Mm. If you want to come in, do a few hours of work on the computer. Not that there was that much work to do in, in the Falklands, but it was mainly like going out, doing, taking AT and... Um, like battlefield tours, yeah. We take battlefield tours up like Mount Tumbledown, um, Harriet, and uh, what was the other one? London. So mine was Tumbledown. So you go up there, you take a group, and you do like a uh, battlefield tour. Were they quite popular? Was just was this tourists or was no? This, this was just military. Yeah. So if they're fed up of being down MPA, the line manager would just take them up down Stanley for 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 a couple of days and just do some activities or. Oh, yeah, but um, anyway, I'd be up the mountain. I'd be like, I could, I could blow any minute. Like taking a tour, and my boss at the time, I said, a flight lieutenant. He was just like, look, he said, stop taking the tours. He was like, the last thing I want you to do, is be up there with a the group, and having to say, excuse me, I need to go behind this rock. Yeah. And go to the toilet. Oh me. He said, I would never do that to you. So he stopped me from doing that, and he, uh, yeah. So it was a good management on his behalf. So anyway, got back, got on the plane, went through a big process of it, and uh, it was like, that flight is about 20, 21 hours. And that must be, was it long? To Bryce Norton, and I was like, look, can you get me a, a seat next to a toilet? Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, 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 we'll sort that out. Nah, didn't, <laughs> didn't have that. So I, I couldn't have been any more further away from a toilet. But really? was, yeah, so I was just thinking, oh, no, this is going to be a long flight. Yeah. We, half an hour, I think, every 20, 20 minutes, half an hour, I was just up and down. How was your butt the up toilet. this time? Like, that's oh. going to be in sandpaper. Well, I was used to it by then. Yeah. So my, I was just conditioned to sandpaper. <laughs> Do you mean? It was, yeah, so I was just going back and forth up the aisle. And when you, like, hit turbulence or something, you, you mm. can't move, you're just stuck there. Or... Landing as well, you can't get up. You got sitting, so you're just like, whoa, you gotta really hold it, which is horrible. Yeah. But um, yeah. So anyway, back and forth that plane, twenty one hours, horrendous. Got off the plane. From where I got off the plane to Bryce Norton, mm -hmm. I should have been admitted straight away. Then maybe they could have found medication. Or I was meant to be put on steroids straight away mm -hmm. to get the inflammation down so I could have a colonoscopy. But anyway, that none of that happened. I got off the plane. My dad picked me up. I went straight to Aldershot Medical Centre where they put me on. I explained my symptoms, but they didn't really, again, they didn't really take it too seriously. I, I don't know if I should be saying this on, on the podcast, but 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you anyway. I don't think I got taken too seriously. Reason being, I I had the um, assessment, and the MO was just like, right, yeah, yeah, I'll put you in for a flexible signodoscopy, which is like a half colonoscopy, mm-hmm. and they were just like, we'll send you on eight days sick leave. And I was like, you send him on sick leave to bleed out, basically. I'm just like, well, anyway, I did what they told me, stupidly. But I got sent home on sick leave. I was just waiting out every day, just going through the same symptoms when I was at home. Couldn't really do anything. From this point, I started to get a bit, I started to isolate myself completely. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't go out the house. I just stay in. I stopped talking to to people as much. Mm. The only people I would talk to was the people I was close to at the time. And I, I'd speak to my uh, fiance a lot about it, which she, she really helped me through it. What what I was what I was going through at the time. Um yeah, start so I started uh, completely isolating myself. What lost were, all, what lost were your feelings all. at the time then? Just like what is why is this happening to me? You know, the usual stuff you would like I've not done anything mm. For this to be, but I didn't have the diagnosis at the time, so you still think yeah. it could be anything. Do you know what I mean? So I was like, the feelings are very lonely. Mm-hmm. And I remember being back in the Falklands, I got to go back there. I remember being in my cabin and just lying on my bed thinking, I was trapped over there and just thinking, going around in my head, all the different emotions come out of you. And you just like, you just think I could just end it now. Yeah. In, as bad as that sounds, you get to that stage. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, you just rapidly start losing weight and you, you just don't know what's going on. But anyway, I'm, I'm back on sick leave, back in back in Visca, back in South Wales. And I start getting, the symptoms just get worse. I ring them up. I, I get to Frimley Hospital. Mm-hmm. So I had to travel from South Wales to Frimley Hospital. I'm going to stop at every single petrol station, every single services to go to the toilet. At the, um, the sigmoidoscopy, you can see it all on the camera, can you? So you're lying down, you can see it on the camera, you're just like, what is going on in my body? Yeah. You're like, that is horrendous. But you kind of know something's happening anyway. So I went back home for another week, didn't hear anything back. Started uh, ringing them up, trying to find out what it was, found out nothing. This point, I just I couldn't I could hardly walk. Mm-hmm. I started, I couldn't get up the stairs. I got to crawl. It's horrendous. So they, uh, my dad then took me straight to the medical assessment unit. Yeah, where is that? Man? No, sorry, he ran Saint Athens Medical Centre, okay. and they were like, right, he should have been admitted as soon as he got off the plane. Yeah, he needs to be admitted now. Uh, so they just told him what to do. We got up to. Um, so we went straight to the Royal Gwent then, to the medical assessment unit. And then I got taken from there, really. So the consultant was just like, yeah, I know what it is, but this is what we're going to do. You know, you should have been in mm-hmm. a lot sooner. We could have sorted this out, but you got, you're admitted now. I put you on um, a course of IV steroids, mm-hmm. which they have benefits, but long-term effects, they completely ruin you. Yeah. Like... They put a lot of weight on you, not good weight, and they, they get rid of all your, your muscle definition, your strength. They start giving you acne and these all these symptoms I was experiencing. But at the time, I was just like, 
Did you feel better? You felt I better? Like, yeah, I was like, like I'm not I'm not in pain, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ride it out. Yeah. But so I was in I was in for about two weeks on the course of steroid treatment and I was on a, a medication called sorry, immunosuppressant called infliximab, mm-hmm. which um it works wonders for some people, but some people it doesn't. Unfortunately it didn't work for me. But then again, I didn't really give it enough time to work because I was in so much pain. I was just like, I need, I need this to stop. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I went home after the two weeks when my symptoms calmed down. Went home for two weeks on a course of steroid treatment. As I came down off the steroids, my symptoms came back even worse. Yeah. Again, the pain was just ridiculous. I couldn't, I can't even describe it. So what happened then? Did you have to go back to hospital? Yeah, so I got readmitted back to hospital. How long is this? What? How long is this timeline now? This was from. So from from the Falklands, how many weeks? So three weeks from. Well, the symptoms. Then three weeks. Three, four, five, six. So this was week seven, when I went back into. So it all happened quite quick. Mm-hmm. It wasn't over a course of years. It was, over a course of a few weeks. And they were like, yeah, so your inflammation markers have gone from 50, mm-hmm. where you left, to 190. So they were like, right, it's dangerous if we let you go back home, so you're going to have to be admitted. I was like, right, okay. You know, back on the IV steroids. No, oh, no, I was like, oh, maybe they just give me some painkillers and I'll yeah. be all right. Okay. And I'll continue on the, on the steroids. But anyway, I got readmitted. And then it was just a case of just waiting for the inflammation to come to come down. In the back of my head, I knew it was going to be surgery. Yeah. I just knew. Like, so going back to when I first got admitted, you know, you get the the, the stoma nurses come around speaking to you, oh, this is what could happen. And mm-hmm. you're just like, I'm not interested. Did they put a little yeah. dummy stoma on you? Yeah. You, no, I didn't have that. I was no? just like, nah, I said, I'm not interested. I'll just, I'll see, the, I'll see if the medication works. And they were like, oh, okay, so I, I didn't approach it really, like, maturely, if that makes sense. I was yeah. just like, oh, I'm not interested. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't I, want I, it. I, honestly, I was the same whenever I was going through the yeah. point where I, was, where I was very serious and they could tell that I wasn't responding to the medication that they had me on. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't want it. And I, I was literally last chance saloon until I came to say, okay, maybe that is an option. Yeah. So I, I was exactly the same. So... Yeah, I had that. So, sorry, going back to my second admission, they started doing, you know, they put me back on the, the usual... No, but this time I stopped doing the infliximab because it was just... No Not point, working. Really. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't working. Even though it's meant to get, it's meant to take about to six months, I wasn't waiting that long. Yeah. There was no chance. I was, like, looking at Facebook groups, like Crohn's Clitus. Yeah. And the amount of people suffering on there. And it's just like... It can feel a bit depressing as well, yeah, kind of, when you're reading It's just it. like people people posting things like, oh, nine months, I'm in remission after nine months of infliximab. And I'm like, what? Nine months? I'm not waiting that long. Not a chance. And it was like... So from there, that's when surgery started to pop into my head within that first week of the readmission. Mm-hmm. So I like, at this point... I had my uh, colonoscopy, my third colonoscopy, 
because I had one after my admission because I never got the results back from Frimley. Okay. So, I mean, they, they were trying to get hold of it. And it was not till after I had the colonoscopy, then they contacted me to say, oh, we're looking to start new on medication. I was like, I'm already, I've already been admitted, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I started thinking about having surgery. But at the time, I was, I was like surrounded by people within like the, the 60, 70, 80 range, yeah. age category. What, on the ward? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just <laughs> thinking, I, nah, what is going on? Yeah. But then it really opens your eyes to, you're kind of ignorant to what is going on mm-hmm. in these places. Like, when I was speaking to different people and the amount of things that they had wrong with them, I was thinking, wow, I didn't even know these things exi- existed. Mm-hmm. And some guy next to me was like 75. He had throat cancer and he was just like, well, if, if I have to go, I'll go. I've enjoyed my life and I'm thinking, fair one. But then I think, I'm 26. Yeah. I can't think like that. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So. No, it's totally crazy. Like, yeah. like I remember being in the ward as well. And it's like, people in there, you're just like, going, what is going on? I'd, one of my concerns was like, is this, is this my peer group now? Is this where I yeah, fit yeah, in, yeah. in the circle? But like, IBD in itself, it's not. Mm. From in my experience, it's not something that's commonly talked about. And mm. like when you do end up with a diagnosis of it, it comes as a shock. And you know, like I'd never heard of IBD before. No. I heard of IBS and things like that, and people yeah. having a bit of a dicky tummy. But in terms of like it being a chronic disease that's got lifelong consequences, yeah, I'd never even thought about it. No, you don't do. No. So I, I I'd never heard of the disease really. I didn't know anything about it until until you get it. And that's mad because, like, because your mum had it, do you yeah. know, what I mean? like, and so it's like, until you school, you were going through that process. Even the fact that your mum had had it yeah. was was oblivious. Like, you you were ignorant. To so it. I I had a talking about that. I had a few like stomach issues mm-hmm. leading up to it, and I just thought, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I was eating a lot of broccoli mm-hmm. at the time, and I googled, I googled about it. They said, yeah, broccoli will give you certain um, stomach cramps, but don't worry. Because the, the benefits outweigh the discomfort. I was thinking, oh, okay, oh, that's fine. Thinking, it's broccoli that's giving me stomach cramps. Yeah. But it wasn't. That was the story of ulcerative colitis. But, however, I was reading a book. So I'm going off topic again. But I, right. I was reading a book called Genius Foods mm-hmm. by a guy called Max Legroove or something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, let you read it. But it said in there that if you overeat fibre, it can set off inflammation markers within mm-hmm. the bowel. So, you know, something could have set it. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, the, the weird thing is, is, like, nutrition is so... What, one of yeah. the things I've learned is nutrition is so individual. It is, yeah. But it's also very important. So being able to figure out what the what nutrition works for you mm-hmm. is really, really key. Because, uh, like, there's loads of things, like, in my experience of chatting with John, yeah. that he can't touch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, seem yeah. to affect me. But, and there's an equally similar things that... I can't eat, but John's never thought of it as being a problem. So while we're talking about John, he actually got his, um, he might have told you, he got his first symptoms when he was in the Falklands, <laughs> which no is way. kind of a trend because yeah. we're both Welsh, we both got ill in, in the Falklands, but yeah, he had he had those symptoms. That's nuts. I I know. Know. If you had told me, I'd forgotten. Yeah, but I couldn't believe it when he said, I was like, flipping heck. What, oh, what is that is on? crazy, like, that is crazy. So yeah, I don't know, maybe it's the water. I... <laughs> Probably. Drinking it. <laughs> All the uranium but, enriched rinds that have been, been launched yeah. over here. But, that is nuts. Anyway, so I'm I'm in hospital on my second admission, thinking about the, uh, having the ostomy. I was thinking, oh, asking loads of questions, but I didn't know anyone who'd had it. Mm-hmm. And I think there was, a, there was a student nurse 
a go round who had one. Oh, okay. And he was about thirty. And Got you know, he'd come over and he'd chat to me. Yeah. For a couple of hours and I'd be asking him all these questions. And I was like, Look, I'm you know, I'm into I'm into my you know, my the gym, stuff like that. Will I be able to do, you know, strength training, Olympic lifting? He was like, I'll put it this way, can you do it now? And I was like, No. He was thinking, Well, you, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you can't do it, so maybe it's an option. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, he's right. So Oh great, yeah. I'm waiting yeah, up yeah. I was like, Can you do it now? And then he's like, Well, of course you're not gonna be able to do it. Can't do it now. Because uh, it was just getting worse. There was no Yeah, yeah so your life's life's a shit tip, isn't it? Yeah. And you're just like and that's that's where I was as well. Yeah. It's like going Yeah, it's such a difficult point. Yeah. So Yeah, so basically I listened to what he was saying and I was thinking, you know what, this is Right now, I am a useless human being to anyone. That mm-hmm. uh, I am useless. <laughs> I might as well just do something that's gonna. And I just at the time, I just wanted to live a normal life. I wanted to be able to go to a shop, yeah, and not worry about it. I wanted to be able to go to the cinema and sit through a film without being in discomfort, yeah, or just go, or not have to get yeah, up, there. yeah, or go just simple like day to day things that you couldn't do because you were just isolated from everything. That's when I started making the decision where, you know, the surgeons come in, they're just like, mate, look at look at what's look going at, on with you. Look at this chair. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just give it a bit more time. What do you mean? Am I? But then I had the, my third colonoscopy and he was like, you're looking in it? And I was thinking, it's got, it's got worse. I was looking about it. It was like black. <laughs> it was horrendous. And he was thinking, he, was, he said to me, like, that's going to have to come out. It's gonna perforate. I was thinking, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know it's gonna come out. So then, yeah, I was speaking to the, the surgeons came in. And I said, yeah, I've made up my mind. I'm gonna have it done. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got me in. So this was Friday, and then I went on the um, the surgery on the Monday. Okay. So it was quite quick. Um. So from there, I had the surgery. Woke up, felt like a completely different person, like. Not a bad way, but mm-hmm. just like the sense of relief mm-hmm. that I didn't feel ill anymore. What was it like looking down and seeing uh, the colostomy? Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't look at it for about so the next, the day after, two days after maybe, mm-hmm. <coughs> or the day after. Did you get the stoma nurse coming up to take you through your first change? And that? Yeah, yeah, but I, I looked at it and I was thinking, yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's part of your body, do you mean? It's just... It's done now. Yeah. There's no going back. That, that's what you've got to get used to. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I chose to have the surgery before it became an emergency. Yeah. So I think that was a good idea. So I was lucky enough to have it keyhole. Mm-hmm. I think if I waited a few weeks longer, it would have been a different story. Yeah. <coughs> but um, so I think the worst part of that surgery is the week after. All the like the bowel obstructions and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Did you, you end up you with know, an NG tube? Yeah, and NG yeah. tube. And uh, that's, that's a funny story actually. I was uh, speaking to my mate, and he said he went through a lot of abdominal surgeries mm-hmm. from because he, he served in the forces as well. Okay. So you know he didn't have a, have a have a nice experience, but he said from everything he went through, the worst part of it was having that NG NG tube put in his nose. And just, just the amount of bile and yeah. crap coming out of your mouth is horrendous. But anyway, I, 
I remember just staying up all night with that stuck up my nose, down my throat, just like ridiculously dehydrated. Every time you go to drink something, you just want to throw up. But, you know, it saves you from, it saves you, your vo vocal cords from burning. Yeah, from it saves a lot, doesn't it? Because, like, yeah. well, it stops you retching so much and things yeah. like that. Such a horrible getting it in and out. Mm -hmm. But when it's in there, actually, it, it does work. But, yeah. Like, so, talk me through how life has changed then since you've now got an ostomy. Like, how, how have you had to adapt? And, you know, what's what's the future look like? Um... I'm just taking things slow, taking things really steady. I've waited three whole months now before going into any anything at all, because mm -hmm. I've heard so many horror stories about people having hernias, prolapses, all that sort of stuff, and I'm thinking, if I rush it, it's gonna happen to me. Yeah. So I just waited a complete three months. Um, when it, I wanted to get back into some sort of basic strength, uh, basic strength program just to keep me keep my head focused on something mm -hmm. uh, so I started uh, talking to this guy uh, from uh, New Zealand um, forgot his name's James I can't pronounce his second name it's like James Futai or something like that he set up a, a group hasn't he yeah he's a ostomate strength coach I'm happy to program myself but now I'm I'm not if that makes sense I don't have a clue yeah now this has happened so I need I need someone it's a to, whole new world isn't it to guide me so I'm not doing things wrong or like pushing it too far too soon so it's just interesting because he, he's helpful he's been through eight abdominal surgeries he's he's had it all do you mean so it's just interesting to to talk to him yeah do you talk to him quite regularly yeah yeah yeah. all That's the time cool. all the time i was also speaking to uh, joseph i think you, you had him on the channel yeah yeah yeah. yeah he's, he's so he's about to go up before i had the surgery i would sit in hospital on my ipad yeah and i'd be on youtube and i'd just be watching all his videos and i'm thinking well he's he's living a decent life yeah, yeah. He's doing what I want to do. He was kind of helping me. So li listening to his, um, watching his videos, and I messaged him and I just started asking the questions. Is this the strength coach guy? No, no, this is Joseph. Joseph, sir. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. Exactly. I started asking questions. He was a really helpful guy. Yeah. Do you mean, like any, reply straight away. Any any, any issues you had, like little questions, he just reply. I'm like, fair one. So kind of helped me make that decision because it's not an easy one to make when you just go, yeah, but, so now I'm just waiting for my next surgery, and I made that decision due to my circumstances within the, the lifestyle I want to live mm -hmm. and my career. So within the military, if you've got an ostomy bag, you're going to be P0 for your career. Yeah, It's going to be quite difficult to, to do anything with a J pouch, which is the, which is what you've got yourself, the yeah. reversal. There's a higher chance of you becoming an MLD, which is limited deployment. Depending on how your recovery goes, I was speaking to the MO. He said you can be MFD, mm -hmm. but it depends on you and how you feel. So I was thinking, right, okay, well, that's one option to get it. The, the other reason I want it is because I do a lot of um, physical training, a lot of CrossFit, a lot of uh, strength and conditioning, and it's just like I've still got that gap in an abdominal wall. Mm -hmm. I want to get closed up. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. <coughs> and um you want to reduce that risk of having Yeah, you just want to reduce it. Like, that's why I'm being really cautious at the moment. Mm -hmm. So we, the the surgeon said, yeah, we can get you in within th three to four months. I was thinking, all right, I can, I can, that's fine. I'll just carry on doing what I'm doing safely, not pushing it, and enjoy a process of living normally. Yeah. 
if that makes sense because that makes perfect sense you just take it into you just take it you, you don't take things for granted as much yeah which is one of the main things um but yeah going back to when you said what how things changed i think when i first the first time i actually looked at my ostomy was when the surgeon's assistant forgot to close the cap on the ostomy bag <laughs> and <laughs> so the stomach was you know looking at it and honestly it went everywhere yeah because they forgot to close the gap and ah uh, this this moment i was just like i couldn't move yeah you're swimming, after, swimming in it. she's swimming you're just like oh no so you've got these thinking nurses you know turning you upside down yeah. scrubbing you you can't move you're just like oh god what what is going on but anyway, two days after that, my catheter exploded to the point where my the drain, the the, the night nurse forgot to um to empty it to it? empty it no way to wash it and I was like so it backfired and I was in absolute pain for hours. It's horrific. I was like I'll always remember that moment. Yeah, but life's looking good. It, yeah, far from that, it's just one of those things that no, it's not one of those things that happened because it doesn't happen. And it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> So I can't say it's one of those things, but but yeah, life's looking good. You're looking, yeah, yeah. you're looking at a J pouch in the future. Yeah, so and you've got um, that's a pretty quick turnaround as well. Three months to your next surgery. That's, yeah, that's that's really fast. Really fast. Um, obviously they'll chat to you about whatever yeah. future ones are, but uh, yeah. So like, what what has this process so for you? What what's your, been your sort of lessons, your takeaways? Like, what has being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, getting an ostomy? Prospectively having a Jay's post, what, what's all this taught you about yourself? It's taught me that I'm a lot more mentally strong than I thought I was. So, yeah, being able to just get myself through that and always look f like, like my, my fiance used to say, always just think of things one step at a time. Like, think, set yourself like little small goals mm -hmm. and just knock them down as you go and then you'll get there. So, right now, it's just, it was like, get back from the Falklands, get one step done get admitted next step have the op next step recover next step so on and now it's get the next op which would be the j that well there's two phases so i didn't did you have yours done i had it was phases? three surgeries for me so yeah. the initial one middle one to set up the j yeah. pouch the yeah. last one for the reversal yeah so I was, I was speaking to someone and they were like yeah they underestimated the recovery process of the second surgery yeah because even though you go it's in a beast even though you go in fit and healthy it's a massive op and they, they're looking to do a keyhole again. Mm -hmm. I hope they can do a keyhole because it's, it's rough. You had it open, didn't you? No, no, I, I was going to John, John had it open. He had it open, yeah. So, yeah, hopefully I can get a keyhole and then you just wait another three months after that. I think it's three months, is it? Or was it eight weeks? I so, ended up nearly 18 months. 18 months? Yeah, just uh, just because where <coughs> I was. You can yeah. get it. They're very, they're quite, can be quite flexible. Yeah. Comes down to like, uh, surgeon and surgeon's diaries well, yeah. no longer an, there's no longer an emergency so they're like, you're not a non-urgent case well they've they've put me down as urgent oh, okay I don't know why they, well that's when I, I spoke to the PA of my surgeon mm -hmm. and she said yeah so you're down as urgent that's lucky do you mean I'm, I was so thankful for that not that I don't like having an ostomy but mm -hmm. I just want to get it all done and put to bed and just get on with my life yeah it's, it's your path that you're even doing. if the J pouch lasts 10 years then that's 10 years with the J pouch, I'd, I'd be, do you I'll know what I mean? That. Yeah. But, so my mum's had it for over 30 odd years now, and she's, she's fine. 
she's alright. All you do is just go to the toilet more often, as you know. But for me, I have to have another op anyway to get mm -hmm. rid of the rectum because it's still active. So if it's a choice between I might having another surgery, I might as well have that. But that's my choice, and that's yeah. what I'm happy with. Some people are happy with what they've got at the moment, and that's fine. But if I'll always wonder, what if? What if? What What's life going to be like with a Jake pouch? I want to find out. I can't just sit back. Even if I have to suffer with the consequences, I mean, I need to find out what it what it's like. So I'll make that decision for myself when it comes. Yeah, I think that's an important but, yeah. one to make as well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you've got options available. It's an option for a reason. So you mm. just. Everything there just to, to say that you'll have a successful operation and you'll have a, a, an enjoyable life with yeah. the J pouch. So, I, I there's no negative, there's no downside yeah. for me in that sort of decision. One thing for me with having it all, I won't let it control me. Yeah. So I know I'll get back to competing, getting back to how I was. Like no matter how long it takes or mm. <clears throat> what I go through, I will get there. But that's just because I'm mentally driven. So yeah, things just, things put, get put in your way. You just gotta knock them down. What do you think uh, would be the main lesson you'd like people to learn from your story? Yeah, so the main lesson is don't let surgery be a last option or don't think of it as a last resort because if you think of it as a last resort it's going to it's going to be it's going to end up as an emergency and you're going to deal with it a lot differently. You're mm -hmm. going to struggle with it a lot differently. With me I had it in my mind that I wanted it. But I didn't want it, but yeah, it was you've made a decision. I made you, a decision, decision and because I got over that decision. When I woke up, I could handle it properly. If I woke up and I didn't expect it, then it, I think I would have struggled a lot more. But yeah, just don't think of surgery as a last resort because you see people on pages and they're just suffering and suffering and suffering and avoiding surgery with all costs. And I'm thinking, if it's that bad, you'd want the, you'd want the surgery. Yeah. And you do, you see a lot of people yeah. struggle on, uh, but I, that, that's obviously our decisions, but yeah. I was in a similar place, I, I felt, uh, when I finally made the decision yeah. to have the surgery, that, yeah, I didn't see the value in continuing yeah. that suffering. That's the thing, I think surgery is very individual, individual, and if you don't want it, that's fine. If you can manage it, how you're managing it, and it's working for you, continue. But if you are suffering, generally, it's just a way out. Mm-hmm. To, to, to leave it all behind totally, totally. yeah so your hopes and you're going to be getting uh, a jay pouch you're going down that route mm -hmm. what's your aspirations for the future uh well to compete as i said yeah. to compete again to in, in, enjoy doing what i love and become medically fit to deploy and carry on with my career as best as i can so yeah i think when i was ill you're just thinking about people in your family if something happened to them you can't do anything so now now you've got the chance to just have a second chance kind of thing mm. you try and make the most of it don't take things for granted so just enjoy my life as much as i can yeah get yeah. the most out of it yeah no, i think that's that's a, a really good approach i think mm. to, i think most people in most walks of lives that would be a good approach don't get me wrong if i have a complication in the future i'll cross that path when it comes to it yeah and i'll deal with it then but for now this is where i'm at yeah so yeah, so going through having been through, I mean, it's still very raw for you. This, yeah. um, you know, you're talking what less than a year. Since well, not even that. Four and a half months. Yeah, it's from from diagnosis or from the initial from from, from June, surgery. Wasn't it? From June, surgery. Was it June last year or June nineteenth? Uh, um, it was July, beginning of August. I started getting the symptoms, uh -huh. and then October I had the surgery. Twenty nineteen. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. So it's still, it's such a raw. It know, all to, to be where you yeah. are now, in the, in the headspace you yeah. are, and to be able to talk about your experience, yeah. it's, it's, it does say a lot, a lot for your your mental strength and your resilience. Because uh, a, a lot of people aren't able to talk about it in a year, two, three, four years down the line. It's still too much uh, for them to try and be able to get yeah. that out of themselves. So it's. So I think it's a big thing for you. If I can interrupt you a second, I think you had the. Um, didn't you say your symptoms came after your props course? Yeah, so after, after, so that's quite similar. Yeah. So it was literally quite... uh, a couple of months after props. Yeah. And I was on my year I course. Yeah. And then symptoms started to come up. I knew what it was because obviously I'd already been and had that diagnosis, but yeah. it'd, be, it'd have been calm for a quite a period of time. Yeah. Uh, the point like I wasn't on medication or anything, so I've I was I've had quite a. Uh, to that point quite a fortunate journey with the disease yeah i think i think i kind of knew that the disease was coming mm-hmm. when i was on the course okay yeah but i didn't know it was a disease coming but i knew it was something wrong so i'd be with with my mate and we'd train every morning before it started and i'd, I'd wake up go to the toilet and then we'd go to the gym i go to the toilet we'd do a workout i'd finish we go to the toilet <laughs> And then it'd stop, and I'd be like, and he'd be like, he'd be all warmed up, but he'd be like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'd be like, right, <laughs> straight into the workout. Do you mean? Yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to say no, no, no. I'm not ready. I need yeah. to, I need to warm up. Because he'd be like, ah, oh, I don't want to make him wait. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, see, cause there's a good, good yeah. argument that that probably was the early signs. Of, yeah, yeah. Of it. So, but I didn't know that. I was just thinking, yeah. oh, I've got a high fiber diet. Or I'm, I got a healthy diet, and it's just going through me. But I, don't I think that again, that comes down to like the lack of knowledge out there general knowledge like it's yeah. one of those things that people just don't that people don't actually think about yeah um as like before diagnosis whereas it's almost retrospectively that we're able to look at it and go oh yeah all those little things that were all coming together that was that was probably yeah you, you start overthinking and you're like yeah that's what it was yeah you know I mean? no, it's crazy like it really is crazy mm. um yeah so going through all of this what would you say for you now, what are you most grateful for? Um, friends and family, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, the people I was talking to at the time probably got me through through it mentally. Mm-hmm. And then my, f- my parents were really supportive as well because my mother had been through it all. It was always like, if I had any questions, I could just be like, what is going on? You know yeah, I mean? Your instant encyclopedia. I'll be like, yeah, my mum's done it. I can do it. That was always my, yeah. That was always my um initial thought. So my mum had a J pouch. Oh, if she went through it. I can do it. You mean, even though she's not as active as me, but we'll 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 see. But I think yeah, mainly friends and family, especially especially the friends I I was close to at the time, and obviously my fiance as well. She mm-hmm. was really supportive. But yeah, so I think I think. Situations like that make you realise how important it is to have a support network around you. I think mm. in today's world, we do spend a lot of time as an individual, you know, like the, the old sort of the old fashioned family group and yeah. sort of um, takes a village. Actually, it doesn't really exist that much mm. because you, know, you you travel away for work. For yeah. one, you know, being in the military, you're pulled yeah. away. Um, the cap badge that you wear makes yeah. you, means you're more on your own within different jobs you're in a unit yeah. but you're you're the only person with that cat pies mm-hmm. and stuff so it's and the rest of the world as well does kind of move towards an individualistic approach individualistic approach yeah. um 
and sometimes we forget how important it is that we surround ourselves with valuable relationships mm. in friends and family so yeah i think that's it opens it up doesn't it you yeah realize. yeah i i don't think i think i took my family for granted until mm, yeah i went through that definitely process and definitely how much what i was going through was affecting them mm. but also how much everyone was there for me like i actually think uh my my experience with it affirmed what i thought about the military for me yeah uh, just because of the amount of support that I received as I was going through the different stages of it. Like, I was quite fortunate that I wasn't in a highly deployable or high red yeah. role where I was affecting the team, but the the way everyone was able to rally around, that yeah. was, it was amazing. Like, the support I've had off the PT Corps has been phenomenal, uh, especially, um, you know, being looked after in South Wales as well, especially by up in the guys up in Brecon HQ yeah the the, the welfare has been fantastic really yeah I can I can thank them enough it makes but, you it makes you realise that it yeah. works doesn't it yeah it does but they they, they get it do you mean yeah so and uh, yeah sorry and, and yourself like thank you for when you came when I was in hospital you, you contacted me mm. and you were like you know this is who I am I think it was Steve Turner wasn't it that yeah, told, yeah Steve Turner was me yeah that, that told you that what had happened to me because he came down yeah with uh, with a guy called Lockie to, to see me, and um, yeah, you you approached me and then you were talking. You you came down, have a chat, see if I was alright, and I really appreciated it. So thank you. Oh, it was, a, yeah. it was an absolute pleasure. That's, I think that's mm-hmm. one of the things for me. I always feel I want to try and do for people that I discover are going yeah. through a similar experience because it wasn't that wasn't available to me, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, I think it helps when you've got someone yeah. of a peer that's been through that. Because yeah. I remember like I got a lot of visits, but no one had had IBD or had been through yeah. that process. So it was kind of, as in, as, as supportive as it was, it was sort of like, well, you're a kind of a lost puppy. Yeah. And everyone's taking pity on you. And it's like, I'm still a person. That's what I didn't want. I didn't want people thinking, like, treating me differently. Mm-hmm. Like, the mates I've got now still... Like rip me, take the piss out of me. I'm just like, yeah, whatever, because it's just I'm just being treated normally. Yeah. Not like, oh, uh, do you mean? Yeah, and that's just, that's what you yeah. need sometimes. Isn't it? You want people to be, to, to understand. Yeah. But you also want them to be like, for the most part, you just want to be treated like yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We just we just laugh about it, but it's the way it's the best way of dealing with it sometimes. So I've got a part of the show where I literally have ripped off another podcast by a guy called Lewis Howes, right? And he calls it the three truths. Okay. So. You were looking way into the future sort of thing, or I guess like a time mm. you're about to disappear. Mm-hmm. Like, I, not I'm not saying you're dying, but <laughs> you're about to disappear. Everything you've ever done or created is lost for whatever reason. Yeah. What three truths or three lessons would you want the world to learn from you? I had a feeling this question was coming. Um, I would like to th- think, I would like people to think that I was approachable, a very approachable person, someone that I could talk to, they, they could talk to, and give them good, like, good answers, mm-hmm. whether it be related to anything I've experienced or experienced in the future. Not that I've experienced much before my diagnosis, but that'd be one. Um, I'd like to be known as a um, happy, humble person and a Decent athlete, <laughs> if, decent I, athlete. if I can put that in there. Yeah. Like, like a 
a decent athlete that came out the other side. Like I've known, I've got mates that have come out through surgeries, mm-hmm. like where they've been smashed to bits and like got through it. And you just think, how how the hell did you get through all that? Yeah. And now you're at the level you're at. So it's just it just makes me think, I can do that as well. Yeah. Even after the next two surgeries I go through, I can still do it with with all the abdominal the abdominal surgeries he had. I think yes, I can I can do the same. And I can be as best as I can be. Yeah. We'll just see what the future holds, really. And what three life lessons would you like the world to take from your life? Um, three life lessons. Never take anything for granted. Don't take family for granted. Whenever you get a chance to take to help your family, help them. Um, and don't think surgery is the last option, really. That's fair yeah, enough. Yeah, right? that's, that's 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 what I all I can think about. Just don't stress about the fact that it could be a last option when it can change your life and it yeah. can make it better. I feel amazing now compared to how I felt. Not ideal, but you've got to move on from it. Yeah. I mean, I'd just like to acknowledge yeah. you, to be honest, buddy, like yeah. the, the pathway you've come and the time frame that you've had, mm. it really is like, it's a commend- commendable to yourself, yeah. like how you've come through that all and as we call it, survived with honour. Yeah. Um, you know, you've still got your most of your journey ahead of you. Yeah. But to, to be in the position where you are to talk about things yeah. in like a mature like a ma- mature is the wrong kind of word that I'm looking for. I but think you're like, still relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. But you're you've got such a good perspective of it already. Mm. Um it's really refreshing to see because you could be some somewhere totally different yeah. in in your pathway right now you know you could be a very angry person and that i'm not saying that that's wrong a wrong thing yeah. to be it's completely right <coughs> but to have transcended through to where you are now mm. it's just so such strength yeah and i just really wanted to show my appreciation for that yeah thank and you thank you for coming out yeah, today no, all thank, the way from from for, Riska. thank you for approaching me thank you for talking to me oh, it's been a it pleasure really good so guys that was johnny hughes thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode i hope you got a lot of value from it and as always we will catch you in the next episode so stay tuned